Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. How's it going? Oh, it's going. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> that is saying something in your yes. voice. Well, you know, we're we're babysitting a friend's dog and my dog has decided that he's had enough. And uh, so I'm sitting in a room that is not smelling terribly good because one of the dogs decided to take it out on his bed in my office here. Oh, boy. Yeah. So... Oh. This is a good time to talk about non-judgment. <laughs> yes, and that is certainly what we're going to be talking. Exactly. <laughs> this is, per, you know, I, I mentioned it. This is why it happens. <laughs> we are, you are given the content <laughs> to talk about. So today we are talking about uh, non-judgment and compassion and discernment. Yeah. So are all of those three things related and how? Let's start there. Uh, they are. Uh, non-judgment and compassion are certainly related. Discernment is tangentially related. And so therefore was sort of a good thing to throw into the mix here. So there's this thing that we do. <laughs> it's the trauma brain, right? There's this thing that we do that says, oh, I understand why you did it. So it's okay. We, we, we explain away the behavior by understanding why it happens rather than saying, I understand why you did it, but it doesn't mean it's okay. There is a, a lesson I learned very late in life, which was I will be just a little bit less understanding than I am treated well. And so if the person who is 
being obnoxious in my face is someone who is never obnoxious to me, is always really good to me, then I will put up with a whole butt ton of their crap because they must clearly be having a really hard time if they're being this out of character. If, on the other hand, the person giving me a butt ton of crap is someone who is generally not so great to me and is, you know, neutral to negative at times, one, I probably would have removed them from my life at this point, but you know, barring that as an option or barring, you know, me having figured that out about them yet, um, because I assume the best of everybody first, then I will not be terribly tolerant of that behavior. I will be like, yo, this is unacceptable behavior. I understand why you're doing it and it does not make it acceptable. You know, I'm not, I am not your personal kicking post. (laughs) I'm just, I'm not. So get a grip on that and go find a way to let this out some way that is healthy because this is unhealthy for me and it will about to be unhealthy for you if you continue because I am not very understanding of that. But (laughs) I'm like, no, no, no. So honestly, you know, people will talk about discernment as being whether the other person is toxic for you or whatever, right? What it really is, is about deciding whether or not the interaction you're about to have is toxic for you not about the person. It's not about judging the person. It's about saying, can I hold what this interaction is about to be? You know, and do I want to? Because sometimes you don't want to, right? Sometimes you can, but you don't want to. Sometimes it's, no, always (laughs) it is about discerning what is best for you. And we start off by teaching that about you know, figuring out who is a healthy connection and who is an unhealthy connection, which is an external focus. Because generally, as trauma survivors, we have a hard time identifying what's good for us, right? Um, But ultimately, and since we are three years into this podcast, I'm going to be talking a little more advanced. And so this is the moment to say, if this is your first first podcast with me, you may want to go back and start at the beginning because these are more advanced episodes. And if you're a beginner, the beginning is the place to be. But I'm going to talk a little more advanced right now because as you get further into your process, you start to recognize that it is about you and about you making choices for what's good for you. And with this timing right now, there are the, the healthiest people I know are placing very significant boundaries around things that they are willing to do and not willing to do. And the reason for that is that we are recognizing that we are exhausted from the last year and a half of the trauma. And for my husband and I, it goes back another three months before that, honestly, because of the flood. The exhaustion level is significant. And, you know, it's true for pretty much everybody I know. And Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, I just got back from vacation. Kathy flew out and my husband and Kathy and I went on vacation to Virginia Beach. We spent a couple of days doing nothing. It was awesome. And I came back and I looked at my husband and I was like, that was not enough. (laughs) And I got on email and I emailed a friend of mine and I said, I need an extra, I need, I need an extra I just got back from vacation. I can't do this anymore. Okay. I need more. And she said, I just got back from four days of vacation. I need more too. She said, this is perfect timing. And uh, I said, you know, let's get together for a week or two and go and do 
nothing some more. And she was like, that sounds awesome. And then she proceeded to say, however, I don't want to get on a plane. I don't want it to be hard. I don't want to have to have a passport. I don't want to, you know, it needs to be drivable and easy and just not too much. And I don't want to do a lot when I get there. And I was like, perfect. (laughs) Okay. So find a hole and hide. Right. Well, and this is what I mean about really strong boundaries, right? It's like, this is what I can hold. This is what I have the bandwidth for. And honestly, Kathy came to us because I didn't have the energy to go to her. I didn't have the energy to get on a plane at the time that we were doing it. Now I do. Now I could get on a plane if I needed to. But at the time I was like, I don't even have it. Like I got to be less than three hours drive. You know, (laughs) it's just like, that's all I got. That's all I can do. And Jeff's driving. You know, <laughs> just can't even. Less than three weekend. hours passenger. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, it's good to know yourself. And that's what discernment is about is knowing yourself, right? It's about recognizing what you can and cannot hold, about recognizing what's relevant. And it's about not shooting on yourself because this is where we get in trouble with trauma brain as we should on ourselves. Well, I should be able to get on a plane. Well, I should be able to drive. Well, I should be able to, to work a normal work week. Well, you know what? Should or not, it is what it is, right? It's like, I can either continue to work myself into the ground or I can take a break and I can acknowledge that I'm tired right? That's what not shooting on yourself means. I should be able to deal with this person. And we do this a lot right now because a year and a half ago, we would have been able to deal with whoever the person is in in front of our face and deal with whatever bullshit they were throwing at us. And we would have been fine, but we're not fine today. And we need to acknowledge that we're not fine. And just because we could have done it a year and a half ago, doesn't mean that we can do it now. And we need to reset our boundaries to accommodate that and just be like, "Mm, no, because if we don't, we're going to like do what we do when we get empty, which is just like rail on the other person and, you know, project all of our crap onto them and then use them as our personal fucking kicking post. (laughs) I'd be like, here's all of my rage for the last year and a half. It's all yours here. You want it? You got it, right? (laughs) You asked for it. Here it is, right? It's the whole, you look like catharsis all over again. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And that is not what we want to do because then we will feel guilty for having done it and we will kick ourselves for years to come, right? So discernment is about recognizing when you're empty, when you're done, when your spoons have been exhausted. And if you don't know what spoons are, go back to the episode about a year ago when we talked about it. You know, when you are done and knowing that and and knowing when you're not willing to put up with somebody else's crap. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you're being unreasonable. Mm, no. How about no? <laughs> How about, yeah. And And to be clear, that doesn't have to be getting obnoxious in somebody's face. It doesn't. In fact, oftentimes it shouldn't because it is not going to get you anywhere to be aggressive to somebody who is not going to be anything but defensive or aggressive. Actually, if you're aggressive with anybody, you're going to get either a defensive or an aggressive response um, or a freeze response. If you picked on somebody who really can't defend themselves, you know, and, and none of those are going to get you what you want out of the scenario. So the best thing is to say, 
no, to ground the energy, not to shove it back and, or to walk away. Be like, can't talk with you when you're like this. I'll talk to you when you're ready to be civil and walk away. Well, and and it's that knowing your boundaries and knowing how to set them and define them before you reach that point allows you to, well, you will never avoid completely getting to that point because you're going to have those those days, certainly. But you can you can mitigate them, hopefully, if you're if you're in touch with that. People from the South, I just and women in particular, I want to say this to you. Your desire to avoid making a scene or being impolite will often override your discernment because it is ingrained and instilled in you. And you have to learn to override those two things in order to be properly discerning and defending of yourself. I once was on the phone with someone who was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing And I kept telling her, you really need to leave me alone. I'm not in a good place and I cannot have this conversation with you and you are not going to like the outcome. And I told her three or four times and my Southern programming would not allow me to hang up on her, Mm -hmm. which is what I should have done. Yeah. For her benefit (laughs) and for yours. For her benefit. (laughs) No, for her benefit, I should have hung up because um, I didn't hang up. And I, I mean, this was many years ago, but I didn't hang up and she pushed and pushed and pushed. And after many warnings, I finally just went, fine, you want to know? Here you go. And I ripped her up one side and down the other. And then I said, I am done with this conversation now. Goodbye. And then I hung up. I should have hung up first. Okay. And a friend of mine pointed that out to me later. She was like, why did you not just hang up? I was like, it seemed rude. She said, and, and ripping her a new asshole, was it rude? I was like, no, that was deserved. <laughs> Which of course is how I felt at the time when she had pushed me past my ability to cope when I was already past my ability to cope. Right. I, I was much earlier in my process and, you know, I was not always a perfect human. I'm still not always a perfect human. I, I want you to just say I am not a perfect human. Right. And for yourselves, we are not perfect humans. We are never going to be perfect humans and we are going to fuck up. And this was my fuck up. Right. And so it's the last time I did that to somebody, but it was a bad one. And so, yeah. Yeah. But this is the sort of thing that you're you have to look at your other programming to be able to get past it. Okay. All right. So let's move on to, to non-judgment and compassion because, you know, we're, we've got to get there or else we're going to run out of show before we get there. <laughs> Evidently I had much more to say on discernment than I thought I did. <laughs> well, cause that leads us into this part. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. So um, non-judgment isn't about making everything okay. This is the thing. People look at forgiveness in particular and say, well, you know, that's saying it was okay. It's like, no, forgiveness is saying, I'm going to stop worrying about it being, uh, I'm going to stop saying it should have been different. I'm going to accept that it was what it was and that saying it should have been different just locks me in the past, right? And so I'm forgiving from a sense of, of acceptance rather than from a sense of saying it was okay right? Just saying it was not, it was okay. Right. And so non-judgment is, is similar in nature. It's like, I'm not going to judge you because I don't know what's going on on your insides that is creating your outsides. Right. 
there isn't a person on the planet right now who has not been traumatized, no matter what they say, uh, by the last year. Uh, unless they're living in the, the jungle where they never heard of COVID, right? <laughs> you know, that's the only way you could be non-traumatized by the last year is if you were living in some remote village in the jungle where COVID did not, inter- did not come into play. And I don't even know if that is the case. I don't know if that's even possible. But there's nobody on the planet who hasn't been traumatized in some way by what's been going on. And in the U.S. in particular, I would say it's worse because we have had the political unrest in addition to. Um, and I'm sure there's polit- political unrest in, in other parts of the world as well that I'm, I'm not trying to compete. I'm just saying that, you know, I live here and this is my experience. And so, you know, I'm sure that there are other places in the world where there's other pieces too. Um, <clears throat> but when it comes down to, you know, looking at people's behaviors, we have to acknowledge that fear is running a lot of things right now. And when people are fearful, they're selfish, they are closed off, they are, they've lost 10 points of IQ. We've already talked about that multiple times on this podcast. If you're in fear, you lose 10 points of IQ. So you're literally stupider. So if you're looking at the people out there and going, why are they so stupid? That's why. Okay. And they are acting on survival instinct. And that creates some pretty unreasonable responses and ridiculousness. And we don't have to accept it. Again, the discernment. (laughs) But we can, we don't have to judge it. We can, we can look at it and go, oh, look, okay, you're probably in fear. Okay. I don't have to put up with your bullshit, but I, I can understand where it comes from. So I don't have to take it personally. Okay. That's a, that's the key. Non-judgment isn't about the other person. It's about you. It's about going, oh, look, I don't have to take this personally because this is probably just about them. I don't have to say, oh, this is them reacting to me. No, this is just them having bad life. Right. And it is what it is. And again, it goes back to the the story of the homeless man who, you know, is shouting at people walking down the street and saying, you're a horrible person. You should just go home and kill yourself. And, you know, if you're having a bad day, then maybe you take that in and you decide, oh, that's the sign I needed. And if you are not having a bad day, you go, oh, homeless guy's having a bad day, right? And you're like, eh, and five minutes later, you know, you don't even remember him anymore, right? So, you know, it's not so much the homeless man's message so much as what's going on in your own head that makes a difference. So non-judgment is really about getting yourself to a place where you're not projecting your beliefs about what the other person is thinking about you onto them and causing judgment in that fashion, which is this weird circular thing. But it, it is what we do. When we can step out of judgment and we can say, well, okay, um, maybe this isn't about me. And we can conceive of at least one way in which it might not be about us, right? And so this is the practice of non-judgment. This is the piece to think about is how do I, um, how can I explain somebody's behaviors in a way that is not what I think it is and come up with as many ways as possible? Because if you can start to see what might fuel people's behaviors, that might not be about you, then you don't have to take it personally when they do it, right? So, you know, you can presume that it's not about you unless they say it's about you, right? 
And so, you know, sometimes it's really hard if we're stuck in in this victim cycle to come up with these ideas. So the easier path is to not make it you and that person, but instead to make it someone else having an experience with someone similar to that person. And, And then you can get some some distance from it because when it's you, things get twisted in your head, right? So, you know, if let's take an example, somebody cuts you off on the highway. Well, could, you know, they're an asshole. They didn't see me. They did. They, they felt like they were entitled and more important than me, blah, blah, blah. That's all about me, right? That's, that's the judgment we make about ourselves, right? But instead it's probably, they didn't see you. They were texting. They were not paying attention. They were trying to eat their morning breakfast bagel and they didn't see. They were rushing to the hospital to get to a sick child. They were, you know, I mean, who knows, you know, and, and it could just be that they're an asshole, <laughs> but, it, but it's still not about you, right? They're pretty much an asshole to everybody and it really doesn't have anything to do with you, right? So, you know, there could be lots of reasons why that's the case. And, you know, I, I say asshole in, in jest because, you know, it's funny, but you know, that person's an asshole for a reason too. So, you know, they, they're not getting enough love in their life and whatever else. So, um, not again, doesn't excuse the behavior, but it means we don't have to take it personally. Right now, compassion is what I just did with the asshole, right? It's like, oh yeah, they're an asshole to everybody, but why are they an asshole? They're an asshole to everybody because they're in pain because they're not receiving love, because they feel cut off from everyone else, because they feel the need to be superior, because they don't feel good enough, right? All of these reasons, right? And that's where you find compassion. You're like, oh, I get it. I get it. I've been there. I know what that's like. I know how hard that sucks. I'm sorry that it sucks for you. And I'm not going to put up with being an asshole. (laughs) I can have compassion for you, but I don't have to take it on myself. Exactly. It's compassion. It's not understanding. Understanding is what we use. It's a phrase we use to say, I'm going to put up with your bullshit. <laughs> right? And so, you know, you can have compassion for the other person without putting up their bullshit. You know, this is, these are the pieces we don't judge because when we judge, we're projecting our, our stuff onto them and then having it thrown back in our face. Right. <laughs> Yay! Just what you want to do. It's like literally like throwing shit in a van. <laughs> it's like I'm sitting in the poop smelling room. It's a good metaphor. Yeah, it today. really was. I thought <laughs> it was well done. <laughs> so, you know, judging is like throwing shit in a van. It comes back at your face. You know, you're just sending it out so that it can come back and hit you. And you end up smelling bad. And the other person doesn't understand what happened most of the time. Compassion is simply about saying, you know, there may be a reason for this. And, you know, hurt people hurt people. We hear that all the time, right? It's a, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true, right? And, you know, when we can see that other people are hurt, we can have compassion for them, right? And don't have so much compassion that you've stepped out of having discernment for yourself, in your own well-being. That's why I started this conversation with discernment so that we got that structured in before we hit these pieces and people went, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, no, 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 no. Do not yell about this. Yeah. Don't allow your compassion to be an excuse for their bad behavior. Well, so 
there's compassion and then there's sympathy. Compassion is a heartfelt, loving understanding of the pain that the other person is in, right? Sympathy is buying into their drama to avoid your own. And when you go from compassion into sympathy, that's when you start losing your discernment. How do we sort of set you? We talked about setting these boundaries and that's the way that we maintain and manage that discernment and ensure that discernment is sort of our governor as we navigate through through these times. We've talked about boundaries before. We talked about these other things. What is the best way for people if they're new or if they need a reminder to start to set those boundaries um, so that they can maintain their discernment and their recognition of their own needs? The short answer is, does it feel good or does it not feel good? Do you feel like you're safe when you're having the conversation? If you feel like you're safe, you're probably in a good conversation. If you don't feel like you're safe, then you're probably not in a great conversation. I say safe because that's generally until you get through the point of being able to find emotional safety on your own. Um, It's usually the bellwether for you is to be able to say, okay, I feel safe or I don't. I got to be honest with you. If you haven't done the finding emotional safety piece for yourself, where you feel safe emotionally, where you're not constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop or living in anxiety and worry and dread, where you're hypervigilant, where you're, if you haven't done those pieces yet, you're not going to feel safe a lot. And so, you know, this is a post feeling safe response. Okay. Because, um, It's very hard to do this work until you've done the feeling safe work. And so, you know, that's fear, anxiety, worry, dread, self-doubt, and inner and outer judgment, and that sort of thing. And so, you know, obviously, those are the pieces that we cover in the Inner Peace 101 program. Um, But until you've done those pieces, then you're going to have a hard time discerning what's healthy and what isn't because everything feels unsafe because you're constantly in a state of defensiveness. Okay. So, but once you've gotten past that, once you've gotten past the point where everything is unsafe, then the, is this, do I feel safe or do I not feel safe in this conversation is a good bellwether. And as you get further down the road from that, then it's more about, do I feel good or do I not feel good in this, in this interaction? Okay, which is different than safe. So, and there are times that you can feel not good in a conversation. You know, if you've made a mistake or you've done something that's hurt somebody else's feelings or whatever, and you're being present to their hurt, that will not feel good. But that's still a good place for you to be. That that's, am I being who I am meant to be in this moment? Who I choose to be in this moment? And the, the I'm meant to be piece is really twisted for us too. So I'm going to take that out of it. Am I being who I choose to be in this moment? Who do I choose to be in the world, right? And so, you know, the, the challenge is that we've been trained to be people who are giving and giving and giving to our own detriment. And what we need to learn to do is to protect ourselves and to love ourselves as much or more than everyone else. And we don't currently know how to do that if we haven't done the work. And, you know, that's the overarching work of the whole system that I teach. But that's ultimately what you're shooting for. Because then if you're having a conversation that makes you feel bad, because 
you've made a mistake and you're uncomfortable or whatever, then you're, you're now in a position to go, yes, but is this worth having because I value the connection and because I want to be here and because I screwed up and I'm going to own that because I'm a person of, of integrity and things like that. Right. And so that's the sort of piece that you get to ultimately. Right. So initially it's very difficult to do this work. So I'm going to say, if you're still in that state of feeling unsafe all the time, trying to do non-judgment and compassion and discernment is very difficult. Okay. Um, discernment is, is probably the only one you could really do effectively, uh, because you are able to say, I don't want this. You're yelling in my face and that's not okay. Right. You know, that you can discern and be able to set some boundaries on. Uh, the rest of them are more advanced techniques for once you've gotten your sense of safety under control. Right. And then once you're there, then it's about, do I feel safe or unsafe in this conversation? And then after that, it's do I feel good or is this conversation worth feeling bad for, right? Is, is this conversation necessary to, to feel bad, to feel better later, right? And this is all recognition, starting with the recognition of whether or not something is touching on your boundaries and then being able to establish whether or not it's a safe or unsafe situation and then just right. rolling from there. Okay. Yeah. So boundaries are... are Sticky wickets, especially if you're dealing with a narcissist or a manipulator on the other side of things, because they will try and talk you out of your boundaries and try and explain to you why your boundaries are unreasonable. Rule of thumb, if somebody's telling you your boundaries are unreasonable, it's probably them, not you. But not always. I'm going to say not always, because every, every time somebody says your boundaries are unreasonable, the very first response should be, am I being unreasonable? Because, okay. I'll look at that. I'm a, I'm a healthy human being. I will consider whether or not I'm being unreasonable. And then what you do is you take your behaviors and you externalize them and say, if somebody else were doing this to somebody else doing the same thing, would it be unreasonable? And you got to be really honest with yourself because when you're really empty, you can be really unreasonable. <laughs> okay. So, you know, let's be clear when you're really empty, you will be extraordinarily unreasonable and you will ignore certain facts to justify your unreasonableness, okay? And so if, if you're in that state, you need to be really honest with yourself and go, okay, maybe I'm being unreasonable, okay? Um, but if you come back and you go, no, I'm not being unreasonable, you know? And, and here's the thing, you have to get calm enough to stop feeling righteous, okay? If you're feeling righteous, you're probably not reasonable, okay? But... If you can get calm enough to stop being righteous, then you can say, okay, am I reasonable or not? If you are still feeling reasonable when you're no longer feeling righteous, then you can come back to the person and say, no, I am actually being reasonable and you are not. And I went and looked at my part in this and I would suggest that you do the same because I've done my piece of it. It's your turn. This is a relationship and that's how we relate. And if you're unwilling to do that, then I don't see any reason to continue the relationship. And this is going to resonate for people. This We know that. We know that the, the folks listening, this is going to resonate with them. They can reach out to you for discovery calls and energy scans and start to look at some of the, the programs that you have 
because the, that's the stuff that's going to help them get through this if it, if what they're doing is not helping themselves right now. Yeah. 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 If, if you're still in the safety phase, come and see me for the inner peace 101. Uh, that's the, that's the start. You know, that's where everybody starts, regardless of where you are in the process. I don't start anybody further along because inevitably I have to send people back. It never fails. If this stuff is really resonant for you, then come and see me. That's what the program's for. It's at kellysparta.com. You're looking at for the online programs, Inner Peace 101. That's what you're looking at. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll see there's no way to actually sign up online. And that's because I interview every single person who comes into the program before they're allowed in. Uh, I want to make sure, one, it's going to be good for you. It's, it's the right choice for you. And two, you're going to be safe for the group. Um, that's my job is to keep the container safe for everybody. So those are, you know, take a look and, and see if it works for you. And uh, yeah. Perfect. And we also want people to come and hang out with us in the Facebook group. <laughs> Yes. Come visit the Facebook group. We yeah. love the Facebook group. That's where you can ask questions. And, you know, sometimes I'll even, even answer them on air. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. It's been a while since anybody's asked me a question in the group and I've been able to answer it on air. But I will tell you that when I do that, people send me emails later going, oh, my God, you talked about me on the, on the <laughs> podcast. It was so awesome. OK, so, you know, you could be that person if you ask your question. OK, there you go. Yeah. So that's uh, Spirit Sherpa by Kelly Sparta and Facebook. Come and join the group, ask your questions, and maybe you'll get mentioned on air. Who knows? There you go. Who knows? All right, Kelly, I think we're out of time here, but um, this has been fabulous as always. Do you have a Kellyism to take us out? Love yourself as much as you love anybody else. As it always is. But that is all that we have for this week. Be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta, and you have been listening to Spirit Trippa. So long, everyone. Each mile I travel over 13,000 now. Spirit Trippa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under a Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to www.creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to kelly at kellysparta.com. To sign up for or get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to www.kellysparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions, with post-production by Christopher Wright. Into my home and my love and my life and me. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea? what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space and you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out.
and it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.